Amazing. It's absolutely amazing. But under the right circumstances, a producer could make more money with a flop than he could with a hit. Hmm. Yes, it's quite possible. Welcome to the NFC Least Show, the show about everything that's bad and ugly in the NFC East. The show which now has four five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and stays in first place in the NFC East entering week 13. Williams, how you doing, man? I'm doing all right, dude. Uh, it's kind of a weird week uh, as it comes to football. So looking forward to digging into it. Yeah, this really doesn't feel like the NFC East did anything that was a uh, out of the ordinary this week. It was sort of as we predicted it, except for the Washington Dallas game, which we'll get to later. But there, there was a lot of just weird, I mean, COVID stuff, COVID it's COVID season, hardcore in the NFL right now. And it feels like that took away from a lot of what went on around the league elsewhere, but we're not, this is not COVID corner. This is not COVID talk. This is the NFC lease shows. <laughs> Let's hop right into it. Let's talk about the Monday night game. Eagles Seahawks first. There's really nothing to say here. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing. Same team, same offense. Uh, I, I really can't add anything to it unless this offense shows up next week. Uh, there's no reason to believe in this team. Um, the defense and special teams did play more admirably, but you know, I think that that's some that's some spirit that they're trying to pick up for the slack for an offense, but if the offense doesn't reciprocate, it's not going to happen. Uh, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I think the longer we talk about this, the more upset you're going to get. So, <laughs> I think, I, I know yeah, you're I think already we just online, online <laughs> like thinking about this, maybe 25 <laughs> hours a week. <laughs> it's the worst, man. I, I really want to stop watching this team. <laughs> well, you can't. Um, I'm contractually bound to do this podcast for all. Much like Washington is contractually obligated to put up 20 to 23 points per game. You have to do this now. I'll have more takes if we continue to be bad, but I don't even want to start judging this team until after the season. I just want to live in how bad it is and try to find joy in it. But let's, uh, let's move on. Let's, (laughs) let's go into giants Bengals. Uh, I texted you halfway through this game that uh red zone had shown it three times and that's pretty much all i'd seen of it until i switched the actual channel it was on for the fourth quarter um and you text me back well that's because a team hasn't been in the red zone until (laughs) since (laughs) since 13 minutes in the first quarter uh can you give the kind of on the couch assessment of this game since i saw about yeah 15 reps from this (laughs) This game had a kick return for a touchdown. It had uh, two fumble recoveries. It had an interception, a couple sacks, and managed to be one of the most boring games I've ever watched in my life. Incredible. (laughs) Um, Neither team's offense could do anything. Uh, The Giants with Daniel Jones in there did get some big chunk plays to – my favorite, Evan Ingram, who promptly coughed the ball up uh, and gave away 
probably at least a six-point swing, but I digress. Uh, the Giants' defense looked really good, but I think um, any community college defense would have put up a decent fight against that Bengals' offense. Really bad on all fronts. The Bengals, I, I honestly felt bad for Brandon Allen because he wasn't good, but he also just wasn't, he didn't have time to make reads, and his receivers dropped throws that he did make. Like, it just was uh, it, an awkward affair the entire time. Um, the saving grace for the Bengals was special teams performance. Like I said, they got a kick return for a touchdown, and they also converted a, a fake punt um, to kind of keep them in it at the end. The one notable thing about this game, I really, again, there's – not too much we can say about it without kind of previewing next week for the Giants. But uh, the Giants, with like three minutes left in the fourth quarter, were up by two scores. They were up by nine points, and the win probability gave them a 99.9% chance of winning. And yet, if you looked at the game with like 40 seconds left and the Bengals had the ball at midfield um, with with a chance to kick a field goal and win, I think you would wonder what the hell happened. Um, it was kind of, even, <laughs> given the Giants had a week off, it was a, a little bit disappointing on the play calling side of things. I think Jason Garrett called a really conservative game, um, mostly because I, he probably felt he could. You know, the defense was stepping up. Um, the Giants could kind of grind down the field when Daniel Jones was in, and not so much when he was out, but it was clear that the Giants' philosophy was, we know we're the better team. We're going to force them to make mistakes, and as long as we don't, we'll win. Technically, it held up, but it did, it did not feel good in the moment to watch. As a Giants fan, I don't think you can feel too encouraged by anything on offense, really. A win's a win. At this point, Giants fans are happy enough with that, but uh, not... Not the blowout that you really wanted to set the tone for the rest of this year and make that bid for a, a, a playoff push at four and seven. Yeah, um, I th is uh, is Danny Dimes going to come back from that hamstring at all? Do you know? Has that been so, discussed? Man. Not not <laughs> not this week. It, it it seems unlikely to me, just the vibes I'm getting. I don't think they've ruled out anything yet, but uh, at least at the time of recording. But I don't feel great about that, which means we're going to have Colt McCoy in there. I'm pretty sure Colt has played. He definitely was on Washington, and I think he was on Dallas at some point. I'm going to have to look this up. But all Colt needs to do is take over the Jalen Hurts role in the Eagles offense, and uh, he'll have done the NFC East special. Played for him all. <laughs> this is assuming he's played for Dallas, which I, I do, and he never has. So <laughs> forget this. We'll have, to, we'll have to go back into the archives and try to uh, find I think there are a few players. I think Sanchez came close to playing for every NFC East team. Yeah, I think he also has, at least has two, right? The Eagles and... Man. He played for the Eagles. Uh, he played for the right. Cowboys. Man, he was on the Washington for a long time. Anyway. Um, but yeah. We don't need yeah, to talk I, about I, this Yeah, anymore. yeah, yeah. I think, I think if... Uh, I think the big story, especially next week against the Seahawks team, if, if Colt McCoy can lead a 
50 to 60 yard touchdown drive. I think that needs to be the lead story in the pod next week. I will, <laughs> I will make a, let's, let's make some sort of like prop bet or some sort of condition for every three points that Colt McCoy leads to. I will drink a beer before recording. <laughs> he has to lead to them. The, the defense can't really be involved. Like he needs to get the ball from at least midfield. That's what I'm saying. Like, like yeah. a, like a touchback. I'll even give like a handicap of 15 to 20 yards from a touchback right. point. Like, right? starting like, at like his, like his own 40 or something like that. Yeah. 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 I would say from his own 35 to 40 or anything further from that, if he can lead a, a driving to the zero yard line, a touchdown drive, <laughs> I'll, I'll even take field goals I'll, for I'll field goals that's yeah. A, that... <laughs> yeah no i i watched Come on, man. That, I watched is a, that is <laughs> i i i'm with you on that uh but you got it that is that is only five wayne gallman well-earned chunk yard runs <laughs> that's <laughs> to get the field goal territory from there which by the way um we got to talk about wayne gallman for a second before we move on uh, how about how about our little grinder, looking Ezekiel Elliott esque out there, getting five wow. yards per carry? <laughs> how could you insult Wayne Gallman like that? Uh, he is, you know, it's kind of one of those weird things to like gush over because the announcers did it all game. Like, there's nothing in the world football announcers like more than a guy who never gets below two yards on a carry, and never gets above six. <laughs> People love and, people love the consistent grinder, man. But I do like the one thing with Gallman. I think early in his career that really kind of stunted his growth was he had what was perceived to be a fumbling issue, and he also really can't catch that much out of the backfield. Um, he still can't really catch, but he can. It seems like he's tightened up his grip on the ball a little bit. Um, just an aggressive runner. It's, he's fun to watch between the tackles limited guy but he does what he does and he does it pretty well so does he nice does he still get feature back uh consideration even when devonta freeman comes back do you think i think he should partially because i think freeman is kind of washed up um and i and i like the balance they have going now where it's gallman and then alfred morris comes in when they want to lose yards and then uh and then they'll have Dion lewis for you know your third down back situations I'm Alfred for Morris. Him, man. Alfred Morris was who was. He's the guy who's been on every team but the Eagles. That's yes. who it was. Yep. Okay. Well, time for you guys to pick him up. <laughs> now we got Jordan Howard for that man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, good stuff from the Giants. I mean, at least he got the win. Better, more than what the Eagles could say against the Bengals. We're leading the division. <laughs> Colt McCoy did what Carson Wentz couldn't do. (laughs) Get the W against the Cincinnati (laughs) Bengals. In Cincinnati. In Cincinnati. Um, (laughs) All right. Let's get to the let's get to the big game of this week. Well well, 330 my time, 430 your time. Dinners, dinner served. You got that big turkey. Got those got those sides. You you flip on. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, yes. you're ready. You're ready for Cowboys Thanksgiving football. Right. And we were treated to a dominant Washington football team win. Um, 
I felt great. Our cross-off pick survived a oh, uh, a uh, a uh, a bit of a scare last week with the Cowboys beating the Vikings, but uh, they are who we we thought they were. <laughs> <laughs> um, they seem to have talent. The Cowboys. I mean, I think you saw that in flashes even against Washington. The same yeah. way you saw it against Minnesota, but you don't get the doors blown off you. The Washington does not break its dutiful 20 point barrier to, to drop a 40 burger on you <laughs> without being a particularly bad team. So I want to know like what, what is Dallas lack that Washington and New York have this year? It's <laughs> a great question. I think the first thing I think to, to make clear is that there's not that much of a difference between these teams Washington slowly asserted themselves over the course of the game. And then due to, I think some boneheaded calls um, by Mike McCarthy and his staff, like really pulled away. They were clearly the better team the whole time, but not by that much. Um, I think Dallas has a ton of injuries. You look at some of the guys they have on IR and it's pretty devastating. Obviously Dak, Tyron Smith, um, they've got some cornerbacks out there that, you know, probably don't deserve to be out there. Um, but they do have talent. I, I think it's the classic talent. Like if you want a real take, that's not so generous towards the team we hate and that we're trying to make sure no Cowboys fan listens to this. Um, <laughs> I think it's a classic Cowboys glamor problem. They, they have flashy guys. They have, really good top end talent. And they kind of always have, you look back at the Cowboys rosters, at least in our lifetimes to Marcus Ware. Um, I would even say, you know, you could put Tony Romo up there, I guess, if you really wanted to uh, Jason Witten, like they've always had reliable producers in um, kind of the flashy spots, but when it comes to depth, they aren't quite there. It shows up. But I think the real damning thing for this Cowboys team is the coaching. I mean, they were out coached by Ron Rivera uh, on Thursday. Uh, kind of culminated in one of the worst fake punt attempts I've ever seen in my life. Um, disastrous. So I think that's in, in this division where every team is bad, it becomes a question of how good you are on the margins. And a lot of that for the Cowboys is their play calling and their preparation. And it's just not there. Yeah, um, it's. I, I think that highlighting their coaching is is pretty astute. Um, the Cowboys are not alone in this division with depth problems. Uh, I'm looking at my own Philadelphia Eagles. When yeah, I say that. the Eagles. Um, the Eagles are also really <laughs> dinked up. I think yeah. Washington, despite losing Kyle Allen. Uh, is, is fairly healthy. And the Giants, besides Saquon, are actually also honestly in a pretty good shape. So can't complain there. But the Eagles I, I and think, Dallas certainly. Yeah, but I think I think where you can maybe get on Philly's coaches is more on their ability to guide the players they have on the roster to executing well. But they, they aren't necessarily putting those players inconsistently bad positions on yeah. on any given play 
I think that's the difference between Dallas's coaching and Philly's coaching, where you watch Dallas and you, you re- there are multiple times during a game you're just wondering what was the coordinator thinking, like putting, like calling this, I mean, the fake punt is like the, the egregious example, but a lot of times on defense, you're like, why are they in like a, like a zone now? (laughs) Why are they only rushing three, you know, and same on, I I do think offense has gotten better since the bye, but even that was like, you know, very questionable kind of formations, alignments, gadget plays, you know, just like yep. asking players to do things that you're like, do you really need to be doing this right now? <laughs> yeah. You know, like it, I, I, I do think that's probably the thing. That's probably the coup de gras of what, what puts Dallas over the top is like a uniquely bad team this year on top of their depth issues. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, if you, if you're, I know a lot of Cowboys fans are waxing, poetic about jason garrett um now looking at what the mccarthy uh administration has done (laughs) (laughs) in dallas this year and you know it's not like i I kind of empathize with it because garrett didn't try to be this cute with them you know he did just try to execute baseline stuff well but they still have the same depth issues with him as they do this year too it's just that now you're adding weird coaching decisions on top of it (laughs) yeah you know on top of injuries it's just creating this like stew of uh this is this is bad (laughs) yeah I, i think the difference between the cowboys and the eagles with their injuries is the cowboys misuse the talent they have while the eagles have no talent to misuse yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, like, I love CD Lamb. I, I think he's a special player, but um, it just feels like they're not trying to get him the ball in maybe the best situations all the time. Whereas the Eagles don't have anybody remotely close to that kind of weapon. Um, yeah, it's crazy. Just as an example. It's crazy how literally we could have had someone close to that kind of weapon this past <laughs> year. Yes. <laughs> We'll get to that. That's actually, that's going to be on you later for your take. I'm looking forward to it. Um, but let's also talk, let's just give some props to Washington. Yes. Um, I, I'm i still a, a Giants truther. I still think the Giants win the division this year. You but are wrong. I, <laughs> I know you feel strongly. I, I, it, but it is growing a case is legitimately growing that it's not just your pessimism. I I do think this Washington team is probably the best coached of the division with the giants in a closer, maybe you'd argue distant second. Um, The giants are well coached. Yeah. And they don't necessarily have a ton of talent, like over the top talent, but they have good enough players at every position to be competitive, you know? And I, that's probably as much as a team in the NFCs can ask for this year to be successful. I'd be interested to see how they close the year. Um, they have tough games coming up against the Steelers, which we'll talk about. Um, Niners, Seahawks, Panthers, and they close out the, se- the year with the Eagles. Um, 
I'll become a believer if they can manage one win in the stretch of Pittsburgh, San Francisco, and Seattle. Maybe we'll talk about it, but maybe it'll take two for me to become a believer, but I want to see them against a good team because them just blowing off the doors and making Dallas look like the frauds they are doesn't convince me that uh, <laughs> that they're in it for the, whole, the long haul, even in a division that will only require you to win seven games yeah. to, be a, to be a division champion. <laughs> Seven could still be uh, lofty. Let's say six. (laughs) Washington may have to win seven because the Giants have a tiebreaker over them. So that's something to keep in mind if it does come down to that. Um, I think that Washington, it's all all the stars are kind of aligning. They're going to get Pittsburgh on a funky week. We'll talk about that. Um, Daniel Jones might be out for an extended period of time. Um, that's going to hamper their closest rival, although the Eagles are still only half a game behind. Um, I'm just going to keep that carrot dangling there for as long as possible. That's going to change. Don't worry. <laughs> and, Don't and you I think, worry. I think, uh, I think Washington has an actual identity. They aren't a great team, but they know what they should do, and they do it. And I do think they have a really, really good defense. To me, a sign of a good defense is one that gets better and more confident as the game goes along. And that's really what I saw in the game against Dallas is they just slowly like kind of realized, I think that they outclassed Dallas's offense and started playing with some swagger and just got more and more disruptive and, and um, immovable as, as the game proceeded. So I think that's a good sign for them going forward. I think they're playing with confidence and I think Alex Smith is, He's definitely more jittery in the pocket than he used to be, but he's still the game manager guy that we know and love. And I think that can be enough. I mean, like we talk about every week, it's not going to take much, man. You can be a pretty bad team and win it all here. So uh, I still like them. I think if I had to bet on one team, it's them. Um, But we will see. I think think next week will be very informative. I'm betting on the Giants, but let's take it one week at a time. Um, with that in mind, let's get to the preview part. Uh, Eagles, Packers, Packers win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say Packers 37, Eagles 17. Well, that's. That's close to where I was going to be at. Um, I think it's, I don't hear if I'm going to dive into it a bit and (laughs) hear me out on this. Eagles defense did play well, but they also were clearly playing with the juice of a unit that knows that they need to pick up the slack for an offense. That's not playing. And I think that emotional weight slowly dwindles if the offense doesn't reciprocate. (laughs) It's like any relationship, right? Yeah. If you're giving too much and taking too much, you know, even if one side starts putting in more effort, they'll slowly stop trusting, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, I, I I think this Packers team, especially at Lambeau, has the ability to just break this team's back, you know? Um, yeah. if, if I'm going to hold out any hope for this Eagle season, uh, some weird stuff has to happen 
with Washington and New York over the next two weeks, and maybe we could go to Arizona and get a win. Um, but I think we go to Arizona, a three, nine and one team. I don't think we go to green Bay and get a win against the Packers. And I definitely don't think New Orleans comes to Philly and doesn't take a W from us, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I had an identical thought with the Eagles defense. Um, I think you can only play as a cornered team for so long before you get dispirited. You're probably about there. Um, and the Packers are really good, especially playing at home. That's just, that would be tough for any team. It's especially tough for, for a team that does not look like they've figured anything out or are on the upswing in any way. I foresee another tough week. I'm going to say 31. Mm, I think it'll be closer because of the automatic Wentz garbage time touchdown. I think 31-23. <laughs> well, that's improvement. I'm happy. I like your optimism <laughs> about the Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we have – let's talk about Giant Seahawks, actually, since the That's Eagles fine. are coming off the back of the Seahawks. Um, I, I'm i not, like, sold on the Seahawks. I think they're a beatable team. Yeah, you I know? think so, too. Um, <clears throat> especially given what we saw against this Eagles team. Like, that – I really think this Eagles team is, like, on a spick for anyone just to roast – you know, and <laughs> for any great team just to roast right now, you know, and the fact that they couldn't, they did win comfortably, but it was not like a blowout. And there are definitely moments in that game where it's like, if the Eagles offense had anything, maybe momentum could start swinging that direction. You know, there was never, it didn't feel dead until the fourth quarter, you know? And I think that the giants are maybe a marginally better team to the point where not being dead means that they actually are within striking distance of winning, you know? Um, I like the Giants defense against the Seahawks offense more than I like the Eagles defense against the Seahawks offense. All that said, I still think it's a Seahawks win because I don't think the Giants have the juice with Colt McCoy. Um, I'm going to say it's good. I think it's another similar game. Honestly, I think it's going to be like a 23 17 game Seahawks win. Okay. I uh, I don't see the Giants scoring really much at all. <clears throat> Maybe off a of fluke play or something, but they do not. To your point, if it if it is Colt McCoy, that's and no disrespect to Colt McCoy. I think he's an adequate backup quarterback, but the Giants' offense is not loaded with weapons to begin with, or you know, really consistent uh, play. So I, I think it's going to be Seahawks 24, Giants 10, something like that. I don't – the more the Giants score, the more beers I'll have to drink. So um. <laughs> The more – you know, to be honest with you, my, my gut feeling about the Giants' ability to score has nothing to do with Colt McCoy. Um, I just think this uh, – the only strength this Seahawks defensive line has is um, – rushing the passer with Dunlap um, coming from one side, I think, but they're movable in the run game. So I do think you guys are going to have success running the ball. Um, As long as, as long as Colt McCoy can be a changeup passing the ball, I think that you'll, you'll produce some drives, but it it won't be enough to win. 
if if the Giants score, I, I I think it will probably be some sort of field position situation. Giants, kind of like what the Bengals did to the Giants last week, is just play sharper on special teams and you know be smart with ball control and pick your spots. Um, if the Giants manage to put up like forty or something, I'm going to be blackout drunk, and that will be a good time. So <laughs> here's hoping Colt McCoy looks like. You know, oh four Peyton Manning. I really hope for that. I really want to hear this pod next week with you, blackout drunk. <laughs> um, and the last two games we have, um, I, I think we can probably tackle them two at a time because yeah. it's the two teams that played each other last week combined with two teams who have not played yet at the time of recording this week. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, so Cowboys are taking on the Ravens. Washington's taking on the Steelers. Ravens and Steelers, like I mentioned, due to COVID, have not played their Week 12 game yet. They're due to play tomorrow. We're recording this on a Tuesday. They're due to play on Wednesday at 345 Eastern. So they're coming off a short week, playing each other, divisional game. And both teams have players on the COVID list. So who even knows who plays for them by the time they play these two teams on Monday? Um, and then Cowboys and Washington, we know are coming off a Cowboys are coming off a pretty bad walloping a bad fourth quarter against the Washington football team. And Washington seems to be firing on every cylinder they have right now. So, uh, I guess we can talk Cowboys Ravens first. Yeah, I, uh, (laughs) not to bundle them together too much, but I'm actually going to stick with my theme this week, which is. Uh, living up to our name, NFC least. I think both the Ravens and the Steelers are going to pull it off. I don't know who's playing. I know they're playing on like three, four days rest. Um, it's just a gut instinct I have. Yeah, uh, they're. I think. I think they're divi- like they play the type of divisional game that is going to make them both better. I suspect and kind of get keep them sharp. Whereas the Cowboys and Washington are coming off a longer period of time, which I think paradoxically might work against them. Washington might be back on their heels a little bit and the Cowboys might just be totally discouraged. Um, I'm actually going to bundle the scores too, because that seems like a fun thing to do. Um, And I'm going to say 27-20 for both. 27-20 for both. Well, Washington has to score 20. Because that's what they do. <laughs> that's their compulsory duty. <laughs> they have to score 20 points. Unless it's, it's they're playing the contract. Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> um, yeah, they just misread it that week and did it twice. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same. They're going to score 20. Uh, so that has to be that score. I don't. We'll see how the Cowboys put up 20. But <laughs> they'll figure it out. Uh, and then the other team will score 27. Because it's not, you know. I don't think I don't think either of these games have like true blowout potential. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, another thing that I think is worth noting is both these teams, both these games are away games to the NFC East teams. So the Cowboys have to go to Baltimore and Washington has to go to Pittsburgh, um, which I don't think behooves either of those teams. Yeah. However, I will say. I think Washington goes to Pittsburgh and gets a W. There that's my that's my bold <laughs> prediction of the week. I think the Ravens take care of business against the Cowboys, but I think Washington exposes the Pittsburgh Steelers for the undefeated paper Tigers they are coming off of a short week. 
Um, I think Washington wins something like 23 to 16 <laughs> or 17. The defense just shows up and the offense gets their compulsory 20 to 23 points. Um, but I do ultimately think that the Cowboys will just find a way to lose in Baltimore. It's just really hard to pick these games off anything besides gut instinct and yeah. and fun because not only do we not know how either of these two NFC North or AFC North teams will come off of these games coming into this game, but also like we because of COVID, we literally don't know who from Pittsburgh or Baltimore will even be playing in these games come Monday. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll stick with these for now, but I'm sure we'll have more to say about it next week. Uh, let's take around the league. Um, my take this week, another Eagles adjacent take <laughs> last week. It was about, I'm just mad and I, I need to, I think when, when things are bad, I get emotional about like, I get mad about how other people choose to process it. I think no one processes <laughs> things well. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and last week it was like, shut up about Nelson Aguilar. Um, I don't need to hear about the vets we let walk. I think we let every walk, vet walk for for good reasons. This is a more controversial take, I think, because I think you can criticize some decisions. But I'm tired of hearing, like everyone just needs to stop with the fantasy, like, BS of, oh, if we only had X player, maybe everything would be different. Um, classic examples, like we said, if only the Eagles had drafted DK Metcalf instead of JJ or Ortega Whiteside, think of how much better this team would be. The team would not be better. Let's just like stop that fantasy. DK Metcalf on this current Eagles team does not elevate this the problems that exist on this team in fact, we'd probably be in some sort of fight with him about how we're ruining his career. It's more likely he'd look more like J.J. Ortega-Whiteside than he does look like D.K. Metcalf in Seattle. I like I you, Rookies especially, and especially in the NFL, the environment, playbook, organization they come into has a lot more to do with their success than literally the physical specimens they are. Um, that's why a legend like Tom Brady is born out of a fifth round pick, literally heading to New England and one of the most stable, historically good franchises at developing players in NFL history. He does not go to the Cleveland Browns expansion team that draft and become Tom Brady he becomes another fifth to sixth round quarterback that no one talks about, you know? And I'm yeah. tired of this like coulda, woulda, shoulda um, as if like just drafting a player and how good they look on another team means that that's how it would have happened on any other team. It's, it's fantasy. It's unfair criticism. I, to me, I always err more on the side of, coaching and player development and organization are more to blame for a rookie failing than the rookie that was drafted themselves. I hear you, but imagine DK Metcalf and Justin Jefferson. 
I know. I would about. say that this take <laughs> this take breaks down. I yeah. think in the in the Jalen Rager Justin Jefferson yeah. back and well, forth this year specifically. I think it's it's. I mean, obviously, this is such a homer take of me to have to say it's too early to judge Jalen Rager, but of course, I'd rather have like a long armed receiving Moss esque freak right that has played all 11 games this year as opposed to like a burner um that has missed the field for six games and it can't burn people <laughs> yeah. love, love a burner who can't get separation that's good <laughs> you know uh like clearly i would want i'd prefer that you know uh but i mean does that this i mean that maybe buys us two more wins this year which you know yeah. hey yeah. that's enough to win the division <laughs> Yeah, I, I think even two two wins is gen- generally when you're talking about anything beyond quarterbacks um, and maybe like edge rushers and offensive tackles. I I, I believe the the wins added can get kind of marginal because um, to your point, so much of it is dependent on scheme. And you know, Justin Jefferson would have Carson Wentz throwing him the ball, and that's a totally different story. There's just I mean, too Carson many Wentz would still have the Eagles' offensive line protecting him before he even got the ball out of his hands, <laughs> right, right. like. And, and still has Press Taylor deciding what plays to run before that happens. Like, it becomes this weird chain of events. There are too many confounding variables. I hear you. I think over time, this stuff stacks up. And obviously, when your team is bad, you're going to kind of dwell on what, what could have been right. And kind of like, to your point, it is fantasy thinking. But I think it's very consciously <laughs> building a fantasy of like, let me just go to sleep thinking of Justin Jefferson in an Eagles jersey. <laughs> Try to stay happy through that. No, I'm going to wallow in the depression that is realizing <laughs> that we have a horrible organization that needs to be uprooted. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm going to yeah. live in it and I'm going to find peace within it. <laughs> there you go. That's the predictive um, Philadelphia and I expect. Yeah. Um, what do you got this week? I've got uh, Monday Night Football is not fun. Um, <laughs> It's just maybe part of it was Steve Levy. He felt like really vindictive against the Eagles in like a weird personal way. Like not just in like a, not like in like a, oh, the team is bad and I'm going to pile on way. But he was like, oh, you know, Philadelphia, they're going to let Doug Peterson hear it. Blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it, it's kind of trite. I guess this is my real take is that people freak out over, Philadelphians reacting to Eagles underperformance. Like, yes, Philly gets mad about it, but it's not like they're going to like burn Doug Peterson's house down or anything. Like sometimes the national perception is a little overplayed and ridiculous and feeds into a toxic caricature uh, rather than, you know, something more reasonable. I guess that's what prompted this, but overall I don't think Monday night football is very good. The worst that's going to happen this year is if there are fans in the stadium, the Eagles will be booed out of the building. Some people, and then maybe, maybe six fans would show up at the Novacare Complex on Tuesday carrying cardboard signs protesting <laughs> some sort of like, uh, like either <laughs> should have drafted DK Metcalf or like run the ball more. Like right. that. Yeah. <laughs> that is Fire the extent of now. Sure. <laughs> That is that is the real way Philadelphians express their rage in these in these situations. I agree with you there. 
I know that um, somebody is like from the Midwest when they are like commenting on the internet about like how they would never boo their players or something. That's that's such like you should be it's soft. It's it's so soft. <laughs> Everybody should boo. Cut, They're football players. Cut, Come cut on, take, guys. Cut my take up until this point right here. <laughs> Three, two, one. Everybody should boo professional athletes. You should do it for almost any reason. Like if they do, I don't care if they've hit 16 for 16 passes. The moment they throw one to the dirt, you should boo. They get paid millions of dollars. Just, just why not? It's not, not okay. Also, it doesn't hurt anybody. It's not even like they get paid millions of dollars. They get paid millions of your dollars. All yes. right, like well, <laughs> you well, are. They get paid, paid whatever my percentage of those millions of dollars. Are. I'm just not even that. Just like your value as a as a TV viewer, right, is like abstracted through ad revenue that then gets bundled up into billion dollar TV packages, right? It's like even yeah. if it's technically free or over the air, or if you're paying for cable to get the games on TV, you're still a portion of their salary. And and you, like this like holier than thou, like I treat my players with respect, they're doing their best out there. Like, no, yeah. they're shitting on your money. <laughs> <laughs> All right? right. Be <laughs> And <indignant>. your time. <laughs> that, that's, really, that's really what booing is. It's, just, it's an expression of indignance. Yeah, it's not like you're sending death threats to the person or anything. You're just like, "Hey, what the hell?" Like with your hands up, basically. And in you know, verbal form. And you know, like this goes. <laughs> this should have been my take this week. Um, <laughs> the easy rebuttal to everything I just said is, "Sean, stop watching the games." And <laughs> something I did not realize that you were able to do until stories were leaked last week that Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles, skipped a game last week. <laughs> I immediately texted my family and said, this must be what the privileged 1% in this country can do. Right. They they take games off from the teams they own while they feed a shit product to the the proletariat who has to sit at home and enjoy their Sundays. Right. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Lurie really spits in the face of Eagles fans everywhere because he's the one guy who could show up and boo and he's not doing <laughs> yeah. it. Paper, paper fan, Jeffrey Lurie. <laughs> really out of tune with the city of Philadelphia. And I was shocked to learn that you're allowed to not watch games. In fact, <laughs> I have somehow... My instincts let me do the opposite. I put myself into a position to have to watch every game to talk intelligently on a podcast about every game for like close to an hour every week. Yeah, I resent <laughs> you for this. <laughs> well, like, this is how we chose to process it this week or this year, man. And uh, I'm happy with it. Um, yeah. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. We also have a mailbag. That's worth throwing out there. If you email us, I believe at nfcleastmailbag at gmail.com, uh, we'll read it. We'll appreciate your feedback. Might even put it on the show. So definitely email it. Uh, Williams, until next week, man. It's been fun. Talk to you next All time. All right. Bye. Bye.